It's so cute. So cute. They're like go, dogs. Yeah, like they oh. live so happy. The more videos so I cute. see of the cows that live on this property, like I'm, I, I have to go vegetarian. I, I love cows, <laughs> which is really ironic because this is a beef. I was farm. gonna say, yeah, you're offending True. them. <laughs> Welcome back to Say It, Sister, with Laura and Carly. Today we are somewhere new. Yeah, we are so excited to be with Jenna in her tiny house. Hey. <laughs> She's one of our favorite friends that we have. We actually met in university. Was it, it was our first year. And you reached out to me, slid in the DMs, and you were like, hey, I need a place to live. I saw you just bought a place. Like, can we hang out? Can we like meet up? So I think we met up in the, what was that place called? The dining room? Yeah, like, the, yeah. And that was, yeah, we met Emily and you. And that was just the beginning of a beautiful yeah. friendship. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's actually kind of crazy that we met, like, in anticipation to become roommates before we had become friends. Yeah. And it just worked out, like, so amazingly. Yeah. yeah. That is true. We didn't really know each other at all. Maybe mutual friends, but... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we, we really didn't know anything about each other at all. So that was really cool. We have so many memories from living together, you know, good and bad. You were there the night that we talked about on the podcast a few <laughs> weeks ago with the the almost break-in situation, which was fun. You were actually the one that, the the one I didn't name, that texted me being like, do you guys hear that <laughs> out my window? So that was scary. What are some of your favorite memories of living in Waterloo? Oh, there's so many. Everything oh I feel God. like in that living room. I know was some yeah. of my favorite memories, like getting ready to go out for a night or... It was the little moments, I think. Like, we lived within walking distance of Dairy Queen. Oh, yes. And it would yeah. be, like, the rainiest or snowiest night at, like, 10 p.m. And we would just be like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. we want to go to Dairy Queen right now. Yeah. <laughs> the coldest winter <laughs> nights are the days we need a DQ. Always. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it would always just be one person DM the whole group, like, DQ, and everyone, yeah, yeah. always. Yeah, 100%, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I think getting ready to go out was always fun. Mm -hmm. I'd bring my full-length mirror upstairs to the <laughs> living room, and Emily would be sitting there with her, like, makeup mirror. Yes. the tiny little one, <laughs> trying to do her makeup. And we would just put on music, and I feel like that honestly was almost like the most fun part of a night out was just getting ready yeah. together. I feel like during quarantine I'll be at home and I'll like want those yeah, memories. I'll love those moments. Those little yeah, things for yeah. sure. Yeah. One of the first things that we did together as roommates, we went to that pumpkin farm or like Oh my gosh, yes. And I feel like it was at that very beginning when we still didn't really know each other well, mm -hmm. but we decided to all go to the pumpkin patch together and it was so cute and I feel like that's when we really start to be like, you know, we like each other. Yeah, we, we have well, a lot in common. Yeah, and we, we started to just like plan things together and like actually want to hang out and I don't know, that was cute. Yeah, yeah, that was amazing. So one of the cool things that Jenna has done since graduating is build herself a tiny house. <laughs> Say, with her own, hands. <laughs> with her own hands, a hammer and nail, and look. But what you we invested have. in a tiny yes. house. Yeah. Yes. So you'll have to check out the YouTube video that we also have created on this podcast, which kind of shows you some visuals of where we're sitting right now in mm -hmm. her tiny house. But do you want to kind Beautiful. of explain that, like, the starting process? What made you think I want to live alternatively? Mm -hmm. Well, it's like tiny houses have always been something I thought was so cool and 
I mean, I've always, my lifestyle has always been very minimalist, like not intentionally, just I don't like having a lot of stuff or clutter. Um, and I, yeah, I just like the idea of there's a place for everything. Yeah. Um, so I always loved the idea of it, but never really thought seriously about it. And then I guess it was honestly like maybe a year ago now when, so COVID had really hit and I was living with my sister and brother-in-law on their farm just temporarily, like while I was quarantining, working from home. And I started to think more seriously about like, okay, like what's my next step? And my parents were moving. So, you know, my options were I move with them, um, which I didn't really want to do because they're far away enough where it would have been difficult to come back and see people or work or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so they were moving and my other option was finding a place to rent, which also just, you know, you're just throwing money away. It's difficult to justify that, I think. So then I just started thinking, you know, like my sister and brother-in-law have all this property here on the farm and I just was like, is this an option? Like, could I actually do something like this? Have a tiny house and put it on the property. So I guess that was like, yeah, April, May of last year. Mm -hmm. And just started looking into my options here in Ontario. Um, started just playing around with designs. <laughs> I'm not a designer at all, but I just, I, ha I think I had a clear picture in my head of what mm -hmm. I wanted it to look like if I did do it. Mm -hmm. So I just started designing it really and then eventually I um, found so I have a lot of family at West in BC who are builders and they um, had never built tiny houses before but they knew someone out there who had and they were just really excited about the opportunity they were ready to get going right away and I showed them my designs and I was like hey like can you build this for me and they're like yeah absolutely like let's do it so it just all sort of fell into place, um, which was really exciting. So I signed the contract in June. Um, I went out there to help with the, just actually like physically pick some things out um, in July. And everything just started moving. Um, it was done in September and then it came mid-October. Wow. So, so it was pretty quick from it, deciding you wanted to do it to like having yes. it ready. Yeah. And I think once I realized that it was actually feasible, like I, you know, talked to the bank and was like, can I financially do this? Um, so once I had those initial conversations of figuring out if I actually could do it, then I had made up my mind and I was like, okay, like, let's do it so that, you know, it's here for winter and I can... I settle can just in. settle in, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I remember we had a Zoom call with our friends and you kind of brought up the idea like, yeah, I'm thinking about what I'm going to do. My parents are moving. Like, I'm thinking of building a tiny house. And we're all like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Cool. But you are the type but then, of person that like you say, yeah, I think I'm going to do this. And then it and happens. it's not like, oh yeah, everyone wants to do that. Yeah. Like, you did it. Yeah. yeah. And it's yeah. amazing. It's seriously stunning. It's like better yeah. than pictures. <laughs> yeah. It's it really amazing. is. And we were just talking about how it doesn't feel tiny at all. Like it feels mm -hmm. like your home. It feels like home to us even when we visit. Yeah. It's so cozy. She has such a good like sense of style mm -hmm. and the colors you've used are just so warm. 
and welcoming. It's amazing. And you said everything has its place, but also like every single item in here you can tell is like very thoughtfully chosen. Yeah. And where it's placed and your coloring and all of it. Like there's nothing in here that you don't love. You can yeah. you can tell. Yeah, exactly. And I was really excited about that too because I I mean, I kept some things, but was able to be like, okay, this doesn't have a purpose. I'm going to donate it and then like start completely fresh and just look at what places needed something. And mm -hmm. like, exactly like you said, just very intentionally pick something out for a specific spot. And I loved that. Yeah. It has super tall ceilings, mm -hmm. which is amazing with like wood on the ceiling and it looks amazing. And then you have a huge wardrobe, which is incredible. <laughs> it's seriously like an Ikea wardrobe that we have at home, yeah, it's, which is amazing. It's so spacious considering it's a, you know, tiny home. Mm -hmm. Huge bathroom. It's pretty killer. Yeah. Do you think that, so you've lived almost a year in here now and you're coming up on like your first summer. Yes. So that'll be nice because you can actually move outside. I'm so excited because yeah, so I moved in in October and I maybe had like a week left of good weather. Yeah, good weather. <laughs> and I like it was snowing when I was trying to dig a pit outside and so I really didn't have time to enjoy the like summer or fall or anything out here. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm so excited. I'm hopefully going to do a little patio with a hammock, some furniture. So so I'm, yeah, I'm really, really excited to be here in the summer. Yeah, we're excited to come. <laughs> yeah. So while you were building, is there anything you regret or like that you didn't put in that you wish you had? Or is there any advice you give to people on things you absolutely need in a tiny home? Hmm. I feel like design-wise, um, because I designed it myself and picked out every little thing, Design-wise, I'm like, I honestly wouldn't change a thing. That's great. But the one thing I think I wish that I invested in was heated flooring. Mm. Because when you do heated flooring, I think it won't, like, your pipes won't freeze, basically. Mm. Okay. If the, and because the, the floor is the thing that gets the coldest, because underneath it's just open, ground, you know, like, yeah. if there's no foundation. So if the pipes in there get cold enough, then they will freeze. So, and the way, like the technology is really cool. Like I was talking to someone um, who's doing a tiny house with heated floors and they actually put, I don't know how, but the hot water heater is in the floor or underneath somehow. Oh, okay, cool. Um, yeah, so I think that would be the thing that I would invest in. I just honestly didn't really know that it was an option, um, or I yeah. assumed that it was just completely out of my yeah, know, budget. Yeah, it seems like a kind of bougie thing, but I guess yeah. it's very practical when you're... Yeah, you know, especially for Canadian events. winters. Yeah. Like at West, obviously, it'd be a bit different because they mm -hmm. don't get as cold of winters, so... True. Yeah. And that's where your builder was from. Yeah. How has it been working from home in this smaller space have you had issues with feeling like you're kind of trapped in this little little area when other people are in their bigger homes during all this surprisingly no i feel like i i know i feel like I, everything i'm just saying is so good and amazing <laughs> but perfect. i'm not even kidding you like it is Aww. i i do have a tiny like a little folding desk that just like folds up from the wall um 
which is great, but yeah, I mean, I've been working from home for over a year now, mm -hmm. and I thought it was going to be challenging, and obviously it took a bit to get used to and settle into, but I think the thing is, well, one, I have a giant window right in front of my desk, so I don't feel like I'm... True, you feel like you're on this, like, massive property, which is Exactly, awesome. yeah, so I think that helps a lot. Because it's so open, I feel like when I'm sitting at my desk, it's like, oh, I'm just in a really big office, or yeah. whereas I'm sitting on my couch, oh, I'm just in a really big living room, you know? So I feel like it's, because it's so open, it just, it doesn't feel like I'm stuck or anything like that. That's so great to hear. I'm so glad you're like thriving and living your best <laughs> life in this home because it, it truly is gorgeous. And the windows are spectacular. Yeah. Like every single window you look at is just like lush, huge Church. like gardens and grass and trees and farmland. Yeah. It's beautiful. just like how do you not feel inspired and yeah, yeah you helps. just feel like you own the world in here. Yeah. Like obviously the property and the location makes a huge difference mm -hmm. because exactly like I'm looking outside that's what I look at all day and it's just like beautiful yeah <laughs> so do you see a future with a lot more people getting into tiny living or do you think it's kind of at its peak like I know a lot of I would say most people know someone that has a tiny house or like wants one everyone wants one yes everyone looks at it as like an ideal do you think that it's gonna continue growing in the future and like you said like there's so many options for making it more affordable to own your first house yeah i think it's going to grow like a crazy amount i think more and more people are just realizing that it actually makes sense mm -hmm. and it's not just for people who want to live off grid or people mm -hmm. who you know it's anyone can do it and it makes sense for young people it makes sense you know as a first home buyer um Yes, but totally. I think like the demand is going to grow, mm -hmm. which hopefully that means that the legal side and the regulations are going yeah. to follow that because that's like a huge barrier still. So municipalities need to get on board. <laughs> they need to catch up, like to yeah, be honest. No, I agree. Even vacant land, like we have people that'll buy vacant land and wanna do something like what you're doing where you're plopping a tiny house on that land. And they're like, oh no, unless you're building a legit home with a foundation and well and septic and all that stuff, yeah. it's not allowed, but why not? Yeah, lots of municipalities have like minimum sizes yeah. for the yeah. house you can build. And I think that's really outdated because it's probably a rule that they made 50 years ago when they didn't people, want like trailer trash yeah people yeah. building their mansions didn't want to live beside someone who like bought a plop of land and was gonna like plop. live in a shed yeah. and <laughs> a plot, <laughs> plot, plot of land <laughs> um yeah it, it is outdated that they haven't gotten up with the times and even more builders like understanding yeah. how to build tiny homes and insurance yeah. for tiny homes like yeah. all of those things are, are behind for and sure and i think the media too like hgtv having and netflix having shows about it just makes people more aware like oh wait that's an option like even yeah. if i wanted to buy a cottage maybe this could be my alternative home like my second home yeah so i think that's really cool yeah maybe it is like on the media you see the extremes where everybody living in that's living in a tiny house like is totally off grid and like they shower once a month because that's how much water they can or like yeah. they always have cold showers mm -hmm. or like I actually saw an on Airbnb this week 
um, like, um, if you want to rent a cottage in Muskoka this summer, like, you're too late, basically. Mm -hmm. it, everything's booked up. And there was this one that was literally a dock, and someone had built, oh. like, a cabin on a dock. Like a shed. It wasn't a cabin. It yeah. was a full-on like, shed. There's just a bed in it. Like, there's just a bed and, like, maybe a wooden chair. And it was like, you can either rent it and, um, like, we'll bring it to your cottage. You can, like, connect it to your dock at your cottage. Or, like, we'll... You can just float. We'll, <laughs> we'll pull you out on our boat to, like, the lake of your choice. What? And you can float no. for the night. That's, that gives me so much anxiety, thinking about that. Like, that's such an extreme. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, like, it was booked. Like, people yeah. were booking. Oh, yeah, 250 bucks a night. Yeah. Crazy. So there's money in it, Jenna. <laughs> if, if they can get 200 a night, like this could be thousands. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Wow. I'm so scared. Yeah. <laughs> Just out on the lake all night. Like, <laughs> you'd probably get like seasick. Yeah. Lake sick. Oh boy. Do you think you could live even smaller? Like in an even smaller mm. house? Or is this like the perfect fit? I think I wouldn't go smaller than this, to be honest. Um, it just, it's the perfect amount of space. Like, yeah, I wouldn't yeah. want any more, but I also wouldn't want any less. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just perfect. Do you yeah. think you'll have, like, I guess the big question is, do you see this as being long-term, or do you see yourself at some point buying a, like, standard home? I do see it as temporary, I think, because I don't think I could live in here with another person. Right. So, but it just, it made complete sense, even knowing it could be temporary, um, just while I am on my own and while I'm not 100% settled anywhere. Mm -hmm. um, so I think however long I'm in here, you know, once I settle down, I guess, in terms of family, then I would probably do something more um, standard, but for right now it's great. But yeah, I just don't think I could yeah. share the space yeah. with another person. Yeah, especially because totally. you're settled in and you designed it for you. Exactly. You didn't design it for another body, another yeah. like whole yeah. set of clothing and yeah. all that type of stuff. Yeah. But how cool would it be to have this on like a future property of yours? Oh yeah. yeah. Like even if I'm not living in it, I want to have it mm -hmm. either rent out um, you know, put it on Airbnb, anything. Oh, yeah, so cool. I plan to have it, um, for a long time, but just whether it's, you know, extra income or for just anyone to stay like a cottage or anything like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. With Airbnb and stuff, this is like totally a dream Airbnb yeah. where people yeah. would spend so cool. a lot of money just to have this cool experience. And Laura has considered, you know, the tiny living, and yeah. the van life type options. So it's cool that you're able to like be here and kind of see how she's living now. Yeah, like a question that I would have is you could watch hours and hours and hours of content on living small, tiny living, alternative living. And I feel like I've watched so much content that I kind of know what to expect. But, and you might have felt that too. Were there any things that surprised you or were like, oh, I didn't expect this? I know everyone says it's like the little things that you don't think about, but even just like garbage bins, recycling bins, mm. like where mm. to put waste. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. think that was one thing and I was like, oh yeah, I have more than enough space. But when 
I mean, there's not many options, like smaller options for waist bins and stuff. I think generally I was actually pleasantly surprised. Like, I think I was expecting it to actually feel smaller than it did. Mm -hmm. um, but I'd say the biggest things were the practical, like, plumbing issues, electrical issues, like those things that you can expect to an extent, but when they're actually happening, it's like, okay, I yeah. have to deal with this. One thing I didn't expect, like, you can kind of plan, um, again, to an extent, but things aren't always going to go to plan. Yeah. <laughs> um, so when I was figuring out how I wanted to set up all my utilities, like my water, my hydro, whatever, um, for my water, so I have a composting toilet, so I only had to deal with grey water, which is nice because there's a lot more flexibility with that. You know, I use all biodegradable products so that my grey water isn't going to harm the ground at all if it goes into the ground. So my plan was to dig a five foot deep pit and like I had read online, this is a great solution, it's easy, it's, you know, not permanent enough where you can't leave and it, you know. Um, so we dug this pit, I got mounds of gravel, I piped this whole thing underground going into the pit and started from, in October in October <laughs> and when we I, I had a lot of help digging the pit I will say that I did not do it myself you with the shovel. um the day we were digging it it was a blizzard oh man um, <laughs> the first blizzard of the year obviously. yeah it was it was wow. um so anyways we finally got it dug and I started using it and then like as we were digging it started to get like hit a little bit more clay, which isn't great for drainage, but I was like, oh, it's probably fine, you know? It'll work. It did not work. <laughs> mm -hmm. So within a few weeks of, I think the showers too, like makes it fill up a lot quicker, but yeah, within a few weeks, the water was almost at the top of the pit, and so oh. I couldn't, like I couldn't use it anymore. And thankfully, I have a friend who is a plumber, and he has saved my life multiple mm. times this winter um, because I like I had some frozen pipes and I, just a few other things, and so he um, was able to help me figure out like a temporary solution for that, which was amazing. Yeah, but, it's good to have those friends. For oh sure. yeah, yeah. Um, so now I just have this giant pit in front of my house that's not being used and. What we ended up doing was basically just my water drains right onto the ground behind my house. And it's actually worked really well. Um, yeah, I haven't run into any problems. So, mm. but yeah, that was, that was fun. Something to think about when you're yeah. doing yeah. it. But that doesn't really make sense that you would dig and then it would drain better. Because, yeah, like the, the, the deeper you dig, the more clay there's going to be. Yeah. The less drainage. I guess it depends huh. on the terrain. The I was going to say, area. like, yeah. that yeah. makes a big difference, and mm -hmm. I sort of assumed that, you know, oh, it worked for these people, it'll yeah. work for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it really depends on your own situation. And I think that's, like, a major thing I learned in general, because obviously I did so much research, so, like, looking at what other tiny house owners have done, and found like lots of cool solutions, but there was 
always something I was like, well, that wouldn't work for me because of this or whatever. Right. So it is like everything is so unique to your situation, which is it does make it a little bit more difficult. But um, you just you figure it out, you know, it's you learn as you go. And mm -hmm. I knew that was going to happen. Like I knew there were going to be things that I'd have to work through. Um, but yeah. You mentioned that you kind of follow people and like we're looking into it. Do you have like a YouTuber or like someone that inspires you or, you know, a website that you like go to for advice? <laughs> there actually is one. Her name is Jenna, of course. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> and she like got into, like she built a tiny house a long time ago. So she's been doing it for a long time and she has a blog and videos and I found hers were really helpful. They were very practical. Like, mm -hmm. it would be a video of how do we set up our tiny house and hook it up to utilities? Or how do we winterize our tiny house? So just, like, super practical things. And you could actually see them doing it. And I found that really helpful. Um, I also went to, well, virtually attended the tiny house conference what <laughs> that's amazing i know even a it thing. was so cool like because people from all over the world are saying you know what they're doing a lot of them were tiny house companies mm -hmm. um i don't know if you guys have watched tiny house nation on netflix oh yeah zach <laughs> the guy who's like comes up with all those super cool um like customized things i love him <laughs> and his his talk at the conference was actually amazing like he just was really focusing on how can we use tiny houses and these alternative dwelling units as you know a way to build community and affordable housing and oh, to so like cool. build up the economy mm -hmm. and all these things and I was like yes like that's so important and I was so happy Mm -hmm. that that's what he decided to talk about mm -hmm. because yeah. and that's so off your alley too because you're yeah. a businesswoman you <laughs> yeah. graduated with BBA and you also have, you know, goals to be sustainable and social entrepreneurship. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. Mm -hmm. So speaking of social entrepreneurship, that's like your passion and that's what you studied, basically. Mm -hmm. um, that's what you want to do for a living. Like, tell us about that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I was a business student um, at Laurier with you guys, obviously. And... I think it was in my second year and I took Social Entrepreneurship 101. It was like a bird course, mm -hmm. I think. I don't know, people told me it was a bird course. I was like, okay, cool, I'll take it, like get good grades, whatever. And I mean, obviously it was an introductory course, but it just was kind of a like aha moment for me because, mm -hmm. you know, business is taught a very specific way, mm -hmm. very traditional way. And... I feel like it was the first time I had heard that business doesn't have to always be um, profit driven. Mm. So it just like got the bug in my ear and I was like, this is really interesting. And I just wanted to explore it a little bit more. It was just cool to see a business operate in a very different way. And yeah. I was like, okay, like this Something is... you haven't, like, heard of or something you weren't taught in, exactly. like, the BBA program. Exactly. Like, it wasn't about how can we keep our costs the lowest and mm -hmm. willing to do anything yeah. to minimize our costs, you know? Mm -hmm. 
there was just other things that were actually that were important to them it's business and the people I was working with I was like these are the type of people I want mm. to work with for the rest of my life yeah so it was just the values were different the priorities were different just everything about it was different yeah. <laughs> in a good way okay I'll go back and explain what social enterprise actually is um, so it's business like it's um, you are selling something you're selling a good or service you're making revenue but that revenue is going to it's being directly invested in some kind of social environmental or cultural impact so an example would be there's one um, called operation grow and they it's so cool they operate a vertical farm and they grow like really cool produce and stuff and they hire women who have um, come from like domestic violence or shelters so they hire these women to actually run the farm and so all of the revenue that's generated from selling these products selling the produce to anyone like anyone can buy what they're making mm-hmm. um, all of that money goes towards programming for these women so they do like yoga, they do cooking classes, they do all these different programming. So it's just, it really comes back to where that money is going. So whatever money you're making is in some way supporting some kind of like social or environmental cause, I guess you could say, or mission. Yeah, it's like business, but like also making a change and using that money for good. Exactly. And that like, that's always the priority. It's not like, mm-hmm. okay, we're going to make a bunch of money and then donate a certain percentage yeah. to a charity. It's not that. It's like we are making money so that we yeah. can like solve this problem mm-hmm. or meet this need or whatever that is. That's so powerful. I love yeah. that. And I think it's interesting you said like even in university you didn't like fully align with the business mindset. Like we're so lucky the friends that we have from business, like most of our friends did the business program at Laurier. But I did my BBA a year earlier than you guys. And I found like I didn't connect with people that were studying business. They just had this like almost money hungry I mean not everyone but a lot of people had this like money hungry mindset where it's just like you make money at all costs profit 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 Mm -hmm. and I felt like I feel very entrepreneurial I feel like I am very business minded and I do see like I'm motivated in that way where it's like I want a business to grow I want to see the numbers but from a social standpoint it was like I can't I can't even think like business isn't even ethical is it like business can't be ethical if this is the like the goal all the time because profit is always going to put somebody else above others yeah like profit if profit is the number one thing then like someone is losing yeah like it's going to be at the expense of yeah a, a person a group of people the yeah planet, like the staff. exactly yeah exactly and there's always going to be a way for every business to make more money if they take advantage of their factory workers yeah. or the environment or whatever and yeah social entrepreneurship like really changes the game mm-hmm. in all of that are there any brands or companies that like you love to purchase from because they're a social enterprise? A lot of them are small, 
mm-hmm. and a lot of them are very specialized like products yeah. um like you don't really see them commercialized there's so many in Vancouver mm-hmm. like Vancouver in general is way more like way more ahead than yeah. we are here mm-hmm. like you walk down the street and like 50% of the businesses you pass are going to be social enterprises. Wow. That's cool. Um, especially, like, in this one area of Vancouver, but there's one. Actually, my laptop cover. I've got it from one of the social enterprises there. It was, well, it stood for Enterprising Women Making Art. So, Yuma. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, it was located in the downtown east side of Vancouver. And so women who were um, marginalized by the system, it's like everything always comes back to the system, right? Like people, Mm -hmm. they are marginalized or they are living on the margins because of the system. People are experiencing homelessness because of the system. They're not homeless people anyways. Mm -hmm. So it's an interesting like shift, I think. Yeah, to say the system has homelessness and not like there are homeless people. Yeah, Yeah. because they're not homeless because they have chosen to be homeless. Yeah, it's a system failure. Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's no other option. Yeah. Um, Anyways, yeah, so the social enterprise, they um, hired or women who were living in the downtown east side to create things. They had this like really cool studio um, where they made like a whole bunch of stuff. Anyways, they had really cute things. That's nice. so cool. Shout out to them. Yeah. yeah. Check them out. I mean, it's also hard for a lot of social enterprises to probably like ship internationally. Like, they're yeah they're local businesses. Like yeah. that's yeah. part of a lot of them at least. Yeah. Or a lot of them would be like business to business companies too. I'm sure. Yeah. Even, like, Patagonia or, like, Tenchery, I was gonna say, like, are those? Well, Patagonia is a B Corp, so they're not a social enterprise, yeah. but Patagonia, have, like, yeah, yeah, I love Patagonia. They're probably, like, mm-hmm. my favorite for-profit brand. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And they, yeah, so they're a B Corp, so they have the certification that basically means that, like, they've met this standard, this these criteria of how they operate their business. Um, so I love Patagonia and it's, they're just like very genuine, genuine and authentic with it. Like they really don't try and hide anything. Yeah. Which I yeah. Really like. Yeah. Tentry that you mentioned, like, isn't a B Corp, isn't a social enterprise. And they, so Tentry like plants Tentries for every item purchased. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people, it's a cheap, a cheap sustainable brand where like, yeah, it's. It's still fast fashion. attainable to most people, but it is still fast fashion in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like they might have ethical factories, but they you still... still I still think that this is better than Target. Oh, yes. oh yeah. And better than probably 90% of clothing companies. Yeah. But I don't think you should, like, <laughs> seek out, like, oh, it's 10 trees, so, like, it's fine. Yeah, they're, they're saving the world by planting trees. Like, yeah. no, they're also killing trees by creating that sweater that, you're, that I'm wearing. Well, and one of the things that they do that, like, is just so anti... It, like... They'll have mystery sale where it's like you you spend a hundred dollars and we send you three items and it's a surprise yeah. and like that as a minimalist you know this and also in sustainability like you only buy things if you absolutely need them mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. when like you okay go to the thrift store and buy whatever you want like that's fine 
but to be like, oh, I'm gonna buy brand new things that were made in a factory that have shipped around the world, and like maybe I'll like it. Like, yeah, that's and if not, not, then what? Yeah, like, are you throwing it out? Are you donating it? Are you just keeping it in your closet forever? Till yeah, you it? like those are signs, and I own ten tree stuff too. Like yeah. that's fine. It's just to say that they're on the same level as like a Patagonia or a social enterprise. Like they're yeah. not. Yeah, and it's just being you know, curious and extra conscious of, like, take that extra step and figure out where, you know, what you're buying is coming from. Like, it's just not taking everything as face value, like, I'm going to put Tom's on blast for a second. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like, yeah, that's a big one. They did the, you know, you buy one pair of shoes, one pair of shoes goes to, like, yeah, I can't remember what country, but, yeah, and it's like, okay, in theory great but what ended up happening was people who actually were living in this country they made a living by selling shoes shoes (laughs) Mm. so now these people aren't able to work and make money because these shoes were just coming from across the world Mm -hmm. so it's just like little things like that and that's like essentially the whole purpose of social enterprise you're not just starting a business to start a business and then do some good Mm -hmm. it's like no there is a need and we it's not like the savior mentality like we're not Mm. trying to just fix your problem it's like you have identified this as a problem in your community you're the ones experiencing it we want to help you solve this problem really like we want you to be a part of the solution and that's yeah not coming in to just like take over and implement like western views yeah like make it work for them yeah yeah and even within one community it's like if a bunch of men decided that they're gonna fix women's issues yeah things like that happen every day all day especially overseas i think because they're like, yeah. oh, no, we can fix it. We have all the money, and that's all they need is, like, our money. Mm-hmm. But no, like, there's reasons and ways that things work over there. We need to just be, yeah, like you know, we're supporting them to make changes in the ways mm-hmm. that they need and mm-hmm. they know will work. Yeah, and it is the savior complex of, like... Mm-hmm. And then, the like, there's also, like, McDonald's or Tim Hortons who collect money oh. for charity, XYZ, whatever it is. Yeah. And... Like, the customers are giving a toonie every time or whatever, mm-hmm. and then Tim Hortons gets to say, we donated a hundred grand. Like, you didn't donate anything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you put out a I box. did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hate that. And that's, like, an even lower level of, like, greenwashing, but for social yeah. issues. Yeah. Yeah. Gotta love a junior chicken, though. <laughs> I have not eaten at McDonald's since those uni evenings. <laughs> yeah, I have. <laughs> me, too, me too. It's my treat. No, I'm actually feeling very inspired now to like start my own social enterprise. Like, what can I do? Yeah. What is like the world right need? now? So we're gonna end this pod and solve the world problems <laughs> right now. A little more brainstorming to be done. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much for being on the podcast. Yeah, and inviting us me. into your beautiful tiny Anytime. home. Anytime. Yes. It's so nice mm-hmm. to have visitors. Yeah. <laughs> thank you guys for listening to another episode of Say It, Sister. We'll talk to you next Thursday. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye, guys.